I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to try to talk in a lower register because I feel like it might help the cough. You're going to Elizabeth Holmes it? I'm going to talk. Have you heard about that? Uh, It sounds familiar. It was mentioned on another podcast. Yes. So she is the woman who invented, I say in quotes, this, like, blood, this system that would, like, test your blood, and she, like, conned Silicon Valley out of, like, billions of dollars. Okay. And she was known for dressing like Steve Jobs, so she only wore, like, black turtlenecks every single day. (laughs) And she would, because she was, like, a woman in Silicon Valley, in order to, like, get respect, she would talk like this. She would lower her voice. I'm not going to talk like this. Into a lower register because she thought it made people take her more seriously. Can you imagine if I did the whole episode Please, God, no. It's (laughs) the worst. I mean, I get it, actually. Like, I I do get her point, but... but. I'm going to talk in the Madigan lower register. Okay, good. She was also the worst, so don't model yourself after her. No, I don't want to be her. Anyway. Any hoozles. All right, so you guys, today you clicked on the episode, you already know it. We're going to talk about women in sports. Let me tell you, man, there is something about sports. So for my job, sports. I had to work on collecting a bunch of stuff for uh, the NFL draft. Okay. Never have I been less interested in anything in my life. Yeah. I cannot focus Whenever sports are involved, Agreed. like I, I cannot focus. Like even doing the research for this episode, uh, doing my prep for this, I was like, "God, this is hard for me to guess, focus on." Guess what's playing in my house every night right now? Hockey, hockey. It's the oh, playoffs. It's like I Anthony actually got soccer into it the other night. Every day, I'm like too much soccer. Yeah. Oh my god. 
I, I respect a, athletes. I'm just saying. I live in a studio apartment. There's no escaping it. No. And he's like, I want to spend time with you. So I'm like, I have to watch the hockey game. But I actually, like, the playoffs are kind of fun. I was like, I okay. Mean, low key, I actually don't hate hockey. I get that it's like incredibly aggro. Yeah. Toxic masculinity shit. But you know what? Shouldn't they throw shit like octopus and fake rats and shit like that I on saw the that ice? on your story. Yeah, Max was telling me all this shit. The and catfish I'm like, grossed me out. Yeah, I'm like, you know what figure skaters throw, get thrown on the ice? Fucking toys. And flowers and, and shit. And flowers. Yuzu Hanru gets a million Winnie the Pooh toys every time he skates. Why do they throw fish? I don't understand it. There's some tie to specific teams I don't know what but it is. But you're bringing in like an actual. Apparently, they get like real fish. For it. Yeah, that's that's gross. <laughs> I mean, it's just gross. Yeah. You've got like fish guts and yeah. slime all over the. Okay. It, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's I don't gross. like it. Yeah. I'm not and a I, fan. I grew up in a mainly hockey family, so for me. I've always had a lot of resentment toward hockey. Most of the hockey players I knew were assholes, girls and boys. The, sure. the girls that bullied me in school were the girl hockey players. So for me, I'm kind of like immediately when hockey is mentioned, like, oh, God. And then when Max was like, oh, I played hockey my whole life. I'm like, but you seem so nice. Like, well, but to be oh. honest, I think that that's most sports. I mean, you could say yeah. that about any sport in high school if it's the sport. Like, coming from the Midwest, it's football. You know? Yeah. Like, and it's like football players, that's the thing. Yeah. And you could say that about football players, too. You're like, they're all shitty. Yeah. But it's just because it's like the hot shit thing to do in your high school. Yeah. You know? And it makes them shitty. Yeah. So, it's so, not the sport itself. No. It's the people. I know. But when you're young, you don't, you have those certain like associations. And then also being a figure skater, like being tormented by hockey players, like getting checked out by hockey players who are way older than you, like because you're wearing a little skirt. Like there's just certain things for me where I'm like, ugh. But well, I mean, and we're going to get into that as far as talking about the way that female athletes are supposed to dress. And look and what kind of body types they're supposed to have. We're going to talk about all Yeah, where it draws that kind of attention, mm-hmm. oftentimes unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. So, okay, should, should we, we ju- jump right in? Do you want to, like, kind of go back to the beginning a little bit? Sure, let's do it. So, we're going to go back to, like, ancient Olympic times. All right. So, before each ancient Olympic Games, there was a separate women's event, also held at the Olympia Stadium, dedicated to the goddess Hera, who was, who was the goddess of women, marriage, family, and childbirth. She is one of the twelve Olympians and sister-wife to Zeus. It seems odd. It seems like an odd choice. Like, in my very limited knowledge of, like, Grecian yeah. culture, it's se- or ancient Grecian culture, it seems like it would have been, like... Artemis or something. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like the, a hunter. Like Maybe. a huntress well, rather than like the goddess of, the, of motherhood. Well, and... is she an Olympian though? Oh, I don't know. Because that's the thing. She was one of the 12 Olympians and sister wife Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So there was something in that. Like but, lived like, in Mount Olympus was I would assume that's what okay. it means. All right. Yeah. So at the festival, there were races for maidens of various ages. Uh, their course was 500 feet or one-sixth less than the, than the men's stadium. Okay. So they were like, we're going to go a little easier on you. The maidens ran. I love their use of maidens, so I just kept it in. Thank you, Wikipedia. The maidens ran with their hair down their backs, a short tunic, which reached just below the knee and their right shoulder bare to the breast. 
That seems... So they had a titty out. I, I don't... You need support <laughs> if you're running. I'm sorry. Well, we like, took, if it's got... If it's right below, it's like... But your other... It's still flopping. I feel like it, it's... Depending on how big your boobs are... Yeah. Mine, maybe, like, some under boob support would be enough. Yeah. But I feel like if you have bigger breasts... It's like, not doing shit. No. It's you just a strap under your boobs. Yeah. And it's still just, you know, tit <laughs> in the wind. But maybe that's the point. They're like, we want to see just the right titty flying in the wind. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, You're an athlete. You are an athlete. That's some bullshit. So the winners received crowns of olive and a share of heifer sacrificed to Hera. <laughs> Lovely. Just saying that I couldn't. Okay. They had the right to set up their statues in the Heraium, which is like the Hera Museum. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course I do. So married women were excluded from the events, even as spectators. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. You know, it's such a weird thing because in so many ways, when you look back on ancient Roman and ancient Grecian culture, you're like, they were so progressive in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, oh, that's wonderful. They let, and then they throw they, something like that in there. They let women participate. And then it's like, oh, but you couldn't watch if you were married. Yeah. You couldn't watch? Like, what harm would that do? <laughs> I don't understand. It would give them ideas and want them to get out of the household, Keegan. Duh. Think I, like a man. I don't... All right. Think like a man. It's I a don't horrifying. want to. I know. It's a horrifying place to be. So in Sparta, women began to practice the same exercises as men, exhibiting the qualities of Spartan soldiers. Plato actually supported women in sports by advocating running and sword fighting for women. Great. We've also got the Amazons, which um, this shows my lack of knowledge. I didn't know they were real. <laughs> I, I thought they were mythical as well. Are I, they real? It sounds like it. They were a tribe of female warriors, the daughters of Ares and Harmonia. They were brutal and aggressive, and their main concern in life was war. Some participated in the Trojan War. That's all I got. I don't, was, I don't think I they're don't real. I don't think they're real, but because I was like, You're saying they're the daughters of like Ares, the god of war. That's yeah. like, That seems like mythology to me. It does to me as well, but you know what? Wikipedia gave it to me, and I'm here to deliver. All right. I'm just doing my job. Okay. <laughs> um, so, first Olympic Games in the modern era was in 1896, and they were not open to female athletes, um, which sucks. When? 18... 1896. 1896. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. So, in the 19th and early 20th century, the educational committees of the French Revolution in 1789 included... Which, okay, me saying 1789... Immediately got went into seventeen seventy six or like seventeen eighty nine, which is before. Um, what did I miss? I don't remember. What did I miss? <laughs> I mean, I know the song. Okay, but they're like seventeen eighty nine. Okay, which included intellectual, moral, and physical education for both boys and girls, and that was in France. In Germany, the physical education. I'm gonna say this wrong because it's German. Gutsmuths. It's spelled oh, like Oh god, all our German <laughs> listeners are just like what? It's spelled like guts muths. <laughs> guts muths. I don't know. Uh, that included girls. This led to women's sports being more actively pursued in Germany than any other country. And um, this was actually true. Like for a long time Germany had like one of the highest numbers of like female athletes for a really long time. Women's sports in the late 1800s focused on correct posture. Facial and bodily beauty, muscles, and health. So it was a lot more like fitness based. Okay. In eight, prior to 1870, female sports were non competitive, informal, ruleless, and focused mainly on fitness, like I said. So seems can, pretty lax. It, it does, but I can kind of see that in 
when looking at kind of like modern sports and talking about the differences between male sports and women's sports and why maybe sometimes women's sports get less viewership, they tend to talk a lot about individuality in sports and why, like, you can enjoy watching women's sports when it's in individual competition yeah like not not competitive in that you're on a team not like a team competition right and um so and not in a that physically, way and not a physically like violent or aggressive right manner. and not like yeah. a direct com- directly competitive thing like yeah. figure skating like gymnastics for the most part it's an individual sport right yeah. whereas it is still a competition it's very much a competition but you're They're not, not watching them physically battling right. each other out yeah right unless we're talking about mariah bell and the other girl again but we're not going to get into it <laughs> So it's very divisive on our <laughs> polling divisive, um, Instagram. Yeah, very. So in 1916, the Amateur Athletic Union held its first national championship for women, but it was only in swimming. In 1923, the AAU, which is the Amateur Athletic Union, sponsored the first American track and field championship for women. And earlier that year, the Women's Amateur Athletic Association held the first WAAA championships. So they're starting to get a little bit more like unionization i guess organization in their sports so i'm gonna say this wrong because it's french but they gave me an english translation which was nice of wikipedia the federation sportive international feminine international the international (laughs) that was like like spanish like you just gave me a straight like castilian spanish that's the thing with me is that that's one thing as an actor that I'll never be able to do is accents unless I really work at it because I can't differentiate. Things just come out of my mouth. You have to work with a dialect coach. It's fine. I would. It would be fine. It would be a little bit of a headache for them, but whatever. It's fine. Um, so it's the International Women's Sports Federation. Much easier for me to and say. And what year is this? This is in 1921. It was formed by Alice Millet? Millet? Uh, to gain inclusion of women in sports organizations such as the International Olympic Committee and International Athletics Federation. Uh, This initiated the Women's Olympiad and the Women's World Games. So it did a lot of good for women in sports. Because of the 1924 Olympiad Games in London, the International Olympic Committee began to incorporate greater participation for women at the Olympics. The number of female athletes rose from 65 to 331 at the 19... 36 wow Olympics, which i believe that jumped between the two in the four Olympics, years i believe that's a huge jump it's huge so wow. around this time like we said a lot of women were starting to participate in a lot of fitness um bike riding was really big i found this really great quote by susan b anthony which uh she says on women participating in sport she says bikeling has done bikeling bikeling i like it <laughs> Wow. Bicycling has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. I stand and rejoice every time I see a woman ride on a wheel. It gives women a feeling of freedom and self-reliance. Well, and if I know, if I, if I remember correctly, I think bicycling was kind of a big deal because men did not want women riding bikes because this is back in a time when women would traditionally still ride um, side saddle on a yeah. horse, something about like keeping your legs together and all of that, which is something that is not possible to do on a bike. Yeah, and then <laughs> you have you to imagine? spread your legs. Which also, can you fucking imagine like riding a bike in one of those giant petticoats? It would be terrible. Yeah, but it would get caught in the in the, yeah the, spokes the mechanisms. Yes, yeah. thank you. It would it would be awful, but. So not only was it one of those things where it was kind of like riding that line of decency, but 
also it did allow women a certain amount of freedom. Yeah. Like, they, they could, could go. pedal away from your dusty <laughs> ass. Just goodbye. They don't like what you're saying. They're just going to pedal on away. That's right. They're gone. I thought that was kind of a cute quote. Yeah. So, women did begin to compete in the Olympic Games in 1900, but participated in far fewer events. So, I'm kind of going back because 1924 was when the Olympiad Games in London started um, incorporating more women. In the 1900 Olympics, 22 females participated in tennis, sailing, croquet, equestrian, and golf events. Um, I'm sorry. I did not know that <laughs> croquet. croquet was on the table. I fucking love croquet. I'm bomb at croquet. I'm very good at it. I had a croquet set as a child, and I would play in my We backyard. have one. Like, every like member of my family has a croquet set, and we play it I at every, it. like, family event. I fucking love croquet. Croquet is the shit. So, concern over women's physical strength led to discouragement of female participation in more physically intensive sports and even watered-down versions of men's sports. This shit still happens today. Yes, That's it how does. things like netball and softball got created. Which, what is, do you know what the, other than the size of the ball and the way that the ball is pitched, what's the difference between softball and baseball? I have no idea. They throw like a girl. I don't know. Those bitches can throw hard. I know. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> when I watch softball, I'm like, I'm nervous about it. Yeah. And I fucking loved softball. Yeah. Hmm. What's netball? I don't know. Let's look it up. It is a ball sport played by two teams of seven players. Uh, it was derived in England in the 1890s. Just, is it going to tell me more? The object is to score goals from within a defined area by throwing a ball into a ring attached to a 3.05 meters or 10 feet high post. Players are assigned specific positions which define their roles within the team and restrict their movement to certain areas of the court. During general play, a player with the ball can hold onto it for only three seconds. It sounds like basketball. Okay. It sounds like basketball and Quidditch. Because <laughs> there's like a hoop, right? So you have like... And then there's bludgers that come through and knock the ball. <laughs> then someone's got to catch the snitch and someone's... Oh, God. Have you seen... <coughs> Have you seen those things where, like, people actually, like, play Quidditch? Have you met Lauren? She doesn't. She, she does? She played Quidditch in college. What? Yes. She played Quidditch in college. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. I All know. Right. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, but I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. On that. Like, we need to call Lauren now. No. It's like, <laughs> I know that we're getting kind of off on a tangent, but it's still sports related. Mm-hmm. But, so she played Quidditch with the broom and everything. Because that's how, that's how I've seen it, where, like, they actually run with the broom. I don't know. The reason I know this is because I met Lauren doing a BuzzFeed video with her, and that was one of her, like, bio things. So they showed a picture of her playing Quidditch. So I had to go back and try to find that photo. Have you seen the horse, like, the, the stick horse riding competition things? Have you seen those? No, but so I want to do it. When you were a kid, did you ha- ever have yes. one of those like horses on yes. a stick that you ride? I had one that I made with like a sock face. It was yeah. great. And they have competitions where people run on them, like wearing them like they're riding a horse and like jump over hurdles and through hoops and shit. It is okay. bananas. <laughs> Can I make money off of that? I'm sure we could. Let's do it. Let's. I want to join a curling team. Oh, I don't know about curling. I want it because it's basically like full size shuffleboard, right? Pretty much. But like the American men who won it this past Olympics were just like these fucking 
average Joes. That I'm could like, be us. I want to go to the Olympics. That and we have bomb ass arms. Yeah. Bomb ass biceps. Let's let's do it, Keegan. Yeah, let's start I'm down. An angry neighborhood actually. curling team. I bet you it's very good for relieving anger. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh my god, I we're like starting. It. Okay. We're starting yeah. a revolution. We'll put that on the shelf for now. Yes. Okay, continuing. So in 1972, the US government implemented Title IX, a law stating that any federally funded program cannot discriminate anyone based on their sex, which is like this is 1972. We know that that didn't that did not work out. Didn't work out. No. But it did, it was a law. So, like, certain, like, schools, colleges, things like that had to, um, had to give the opportunity to both sexes. So women's sports increased dramatic- dramatically, as did fears that this new law would jeopardize men's sports programs. How? In what way? I Fragile love, masculinity. I love that um, meme that's just like, more rights for me doesn't mean less rights for you. It's not pie. And that's exactly what that is. It's yeah. like, why can't we all do this? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense that only, like, if I have rights, I'm taking away your rights or your yeah. ability to do X, Y, Z. Why would they ever think that? It doesn't make any sense upon any examination at all. Exactly. So high schools and colleges obviously still had major disparities based on sports. And um, sports scholarships weren't equal. Uh, Men would usually get around $190 million more funding than women, Um, especially schools that had a lot of minorities. Yeah. Uh, That especially, uh, it was interesting how uh, the link between race and sex joined together would show um, a lack in funding when it came to sports. In 1990, what number is that? In 1990, let's say it's 1990, Bernadette Maddox became the first female Division I coach of a men's basketball team. In 1991, Jenny Hanley of Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota, became, <laughs> brag. <laughs> brag, became the first woman to play on a men's hockey team. By 1994, the number of females playing sports in high school and college grew threefold, which was threefold mean three times? Three times, yeah. Okay, let's say that. Yes. I was like, I don't know what it is, so I'm just going to write threefold. Fairly sure that's right. Yeah. I, I just said that with a lot of confidence. I know. So. I, I don't have that kind of confidence. So, And the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame was created, which was the first Hall of Fame for female athletics. So now we're going to kind of get into a bit of the disparities more. Sure. Okay. Um, so... Should we talk a bit about the battle for equality in general and kind of talk about some pay gap stuff and all that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's start to get into... There's a lot of things that uh, currently are being battled out right now. The women's soccer team for the United States is having... a major one. It's a major, major battle because they are one could argue, far more talented than the Um, men's American soccer team. the women's soccer team, they've won four Olympic gold medals and three of the last five women's World Cups, and the men's team has never won either. Right, and they get paid how much less? A considerable amount less. A lot. I have all of these numbers, actually. So, female soccer players in the U.S. earned $99,000 per year, while the men's team got $263,000. Right. And at, yeah, at the FIFA World Cup, the German men that won earned thirty five million while the American women's team earned two million. That's and thirty three million dollars. It, it, it's a massive difference. gap. And so like let's talk about a little bit. I read this Atlantic article that was talking about why um it was people kind of throwing out their 
theories on why women get paid so much less because this is not something that happens just in soccer. Right. Well, it's isn't something... it because people say people are watching the sport less? Absolutely. They yeah. say that people are watching less. And so their revenue isn't as much. But why is that? Yeah. Like, why do people watch less? And so there was a 25-year study conducted by researchers at Purdue University. It's a long study. A 25 year study. That's yeah, a long like they, study. someone was committed. Yeah. I would get bored after like I year mean, five. Uh, that but, is most, that's almost all of my life. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, but a 25 year study conducted by researchers at Purdue University and the University of Southern California found that the media coverage of women's athletic events changes the way female athletes are perceived, often gender, uh, reinforcing gender stereotypes. Yeah. And the way that these things are covered kind of encourages or discourages people viewing these events, which of course would impact how much money they're making or not making. As someone who works in marketing at the moment, I work at the moment I work in marketing. Yeah. Um, but it's been kind of an interesting thing for me to see from the inside. If you work in entertainment marketing, you like the things that are being presented to you are so calculated mm-hmm. they're pretty like specifically and yeah, everything so, is thought through Nothing yeah is just yeah like i said I, I was working for the nfl draft and the person i was working with on the creative side is a woman and we were like do you care about this because i don't care about this she's like no i don't care about this either they put me on this because they wanted a woman's perspective because they're trying to get more women to watch Football. the draft yeah um and it was a very calculated move on their part. Right. And that's kind of what's happening in women's sports, except for the other way. There's this yeah. kind of... They're trying to get more men to watch. Yes. Kind of thing. And so, or there's this subtle or not so subtle uh, misogyny that runs underneath it all. Yeah, I want to is... say it was when the WNBA first started. I read this somewhere. It's not written down. But I want to say they said something like... The women were shown kind of like ogling after the male basketball players, right? To get so people to watch this study. It was published in September uh, two thousand seventeen, and it determined that women's sports received less entertaining and thorough coverage, and suggested those factors lead to lower ticket sales and lower salaries for the athletes. Yeah. So it's not being covered as much, and when it is being covered, according to this research, uh, during the '90s coverage of female uh, of female athletes, it was overtly sexist. Which, if you think back to the '90s, it was yeah. a lot of pretty like you definitely saw a lot of like hot athletes short skirts lots of makeup that kind of thing very overtly sexist advertising and then it changed in the 2000s to become more trivial by dwelling on the athletes traditional gender roles motherhood wives etc yeah rather than their athletic accomplishments which i can so vividly see these commercials where i think there was a combination of like lean in mentality of like yeah they're athletes but look they can have it all they're also wives and mothers mm-hmm. but that was a turn off for a lot of men which you know downed the viewership you can't fan- there's that whole thing about how you don't want to fantasize about your mom you know what i mean you don't want to you the, men don't want to objectify someone who's like a mother figure well and all of this if they're looking at them as a sexual being which you did yeah. in the 90s or looking at them as a motherly figure, which they tried to do in the 2000s, 
both of those things kind of diminish and undermine their roles well, as you're putting athletes. Them in, you're putting them in also two different categories with no middle right. ground. Right, and they're athletes, they're and we don't athletes. do this to men. Yeah. We don't do this type of thing to men. Um, it says, by 2014, coverage depicted women's sports in a lackluster manner, uh, which they call gender-bland sexism. So boring. It's boring. So everything about the way that sports are presented to us, there's this underlining current of misogyny that runs through it all that subconsciously tells us it's not going to be as interesting to watch. And when I was looking, that was from a different uh, article I read, but going back to the Atlantic article, there were a lot of arguments made that people don't want to watch women's sports because it's less entertaining because women are inherently weaker and less strong. So yeah. we might as well watch the stronger players. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't really pan out. Yes, from a completely biological standpoint, in general, do men have more muscle mass? Are they generally faster? Yeah. Like, yes, those things are true. But skill level is not determined necessarily by those things, especially when we take into account the men and women's American soccer teams. Yeah. If you look at that, and anyone who's ever watched soccer, so if you have ever watched soccer, if you watch the World Cup, one thing that a lot of people complain about with soccer is that um, any little thing happens, right? You get, like, nudge, and these players will fall to the ground and roll around as if they've been, like, hit by a semi-truck, right? Because they're trying to get the ref's attention yeah, uh, so that they can get extra points or time or whatever yeah. that is. Um, there was a study that said women fake injury half as much as men do, and when they are Jeez. on the ground rolling around, they're back up 30 seconds faster than men. Yeah. So there's a lot less, they're like... They're like, no, 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 I got a game to play, Yeah, they're, they're there to play the fucking game. So yeah. it's really um, insulting that women are presented as this kind of, like, much weaker... Right. And that brings up something that I hear a lot from men, where they're like, well, if you're looking for equality in sports, are you trying to um, have men's sports and women's sports be brought together, have them play on the same teams? And I don't necessarily There is an argument for that. There is. There is an argument for it, but then, you know... I know the world of figure skating, so I know that, like, men right now, it's how many quads can you do in a program... Women are just starting to do that. And like you said, there is something about body mass, muscle, things like that that makes it different. It wouldn't be fair right now to pit the men against the women. I think what it would take, and we're far, far off from this in any realm of any sport, I think, is I think it would take completely restructuring the sport the sport, and restructuring our um, scoring system yeah. and all of that for all I mean, of these sports. I mean, the figure skating scoring system changes just about every fucking year, and it's exhausting because you're constantly having to learn no. new things. But it would be a pretty big shift. I think that's, that's what it would take. I mean, there's a lot of arguments because I know that um, Neymar, who I think maybe came to L.A., he's a soccer player. I don't hate I don't know. I just I know things because my boyfriend watches so much soccer. Yeah. Uh, but there was a big thing between these two Brazilian soccer players, Neymar and Marta. Marta being a woman, Neymar being a man, and the massive disparities in their amount that they were paid, even yeah. though she is this um, unbelievably fantastic soccer player. And um, they were saying, well, then why not merge them? Why not put her on an all-male team? And I agree with you where I'm like, yes, there's an argument to be made there. But I think in order to do that, it would take 
taking a step back and completely restructuring the sport yeah. and re-examining it because putting a woman on a male team right now would be would be a disaster. Yeah, to me it kind of seems like a narrow-minded solution because it's it, it kind of reminds me of when guys will be like, well, if you want to be treated equally, then I can, you know, be physically aggressive with you like I can my man friends. You know, people tend to make those arguments a lot where I don't think that that's necessarily what we're looking for. I think that I I see having individual women's and men's teams as being equally empowering when they're separate, as long as they're being treated fairly in their pay, in their appreciation, their respect, things like that, which I don't think that women's sports teams tend to get the same amount of respect. They do not. I mean, and I, I actually do understand, again, working in marketing, I get I get that they don't get paid as much because they don't make as much money. But yeah. I think that that's going to take looking at the underlying issues of why aren't they making as much money? And is it because they're less talented? Or is it because it's not being marketed in a way that is drawing viewership to these games? Yeah. Um, and is it based on this underlying societal belief that women are boring or less entertaining to watch or less talented in some yeah. way because i know there was so much shade thrown at like the WNBA it was that was the next thing i was going to bring up is mm-hmm. like that's one thing that everybody's like i love basketball but i won't watch the WNBA it's like but why yeah i don't know maybe there are maybe there's legitimate reasons people could give me i know nothing about basketball but that's one thing i've always heard is like the shade on the WNBA. i think it's a lot of underlying sexism whether they realize it or not you know like i think it's a lot of um for some reason just seeing it as less valid because it's not what we are used to seeing i think that's really a lot of what it is yeah and i wonder too if like with men's sports a lot of times like the fights are like Part of it. It's a oh, big for sure. part I mean, of it. For me, that is part of why I like hockey is because I'm just like, there's an adrenaline rush in yeah. that way. Which I'm pretty sure that you can't check if you're a woman. I oh, really? No in, in, I've never seen a, a women's maybe, hockey game. Yeah, maybe that's different. I have a lot of female hockey playing family members. Well, that's fucked up. Let them beat the shit out of each other, too. If, you, if you're going to let the guys do it. I mean, they I don't do. See. Like, they do it, but I think it's, like, illegal. Hmm, interesting. That that could totally be wrong now. That's remember from my childhood. So. An- another argument that is made um, is that there are just less female sports fanatics, uh, which I draws... I wonder why that is. But exactly <laughs> right. I wonder why that is. It's like they, they say there are less female sports fanatics, and that's why there are less women tuning in. Yeah. But we have been socialized not to think of of sports, to think of sports as a very male activity. Yeah. When you look, I remember even when I was a kid, and this was by choice on my part, I had a bubblegum pink bedroom. It was my choice to paint yeah. my bedroom that, that color. But my brother's room, it was like blue on the bottom, green on the top with a wallpaper stripe going through the middle that was like soccer balls, footballs, baseballs. I know exactly that wallpaper you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and that was... Those are the messages that, was for that are boys. being sent. Yeah, that yeah. was for boys. The, like The babies' onesies you're getting for boys are going to have footballs on them. Baseballs on them. On them. Yes. You know, and all that kind of so stuff. So all of that messaging was for boys. And the messaging for girls, ballerinas figure skaters, those things were deemed feminine, female sports. And it's actually quite toxic for men as well. I Mm -hmm. mean, the homophobia in figure skating is unbelievable. Yeah, and ballet and all of those things. It's really discouraging because they they are sports. As much as you're going to say dance isn't a sport or cheerleading isn't a sport or any of those things, 
It's a sport. But it's the tradition, like, it's so weird the way we think about it. It's the traditionally feminine sports that are not considered sports. When I did cheerleading, let me tell you, these girls who get serious about cheerleading and are at cheerleading competitions, it's a sport as much as gymnastics is a sport. Yeah. And people don't want to consider it that because... Because they're cheering at other sports events, but there's also competitions. I was going to say, there's there's the, at my high school, our, like, competition cheerleaders were badass, and our cheerleaders at games were just kind of lackluster. They were different. They were different people. Well, we, ours did both. Like, we went to competitions, and we also... I wish we'd had our competition cheerleaders do regular cheerleading, because they were amazing. We did both. Our teams, our teams did both, but... It's it's such a strange mentality that I was in the best shape of my life when I did cheerleading. It's hard fucking work. Yeah, it is. You're working out all the time, doing yeah. the same kinds of things that a gymnast would do or a competitive dancer would do. But people also don't consider competitive dancing. It a is sport. still a uh, it's an art form, physically challenging art form, but also with scoring systems, competitions. I had a middle school science teacher tell me to my face during class that figure skating was not a sport. It's such and when bullshit. I told him it was, I literally, I gave him a list of reasons why it was a sport. And this guy, he was the epitome of toxic masculinity. He would not listen to a word I said. Um, I actually read a really interesting Atlantic article as well. And even just the title and the description of the article, like, got my blood boiling. It says, how parents pick the sports their daughters play. Yeah. <laughs> Should a girl do soccer, dance, or chess? It depends on what kind of woman her mom and dad want her to become. I mean, I feel like that makes sense, whether consciously or subconsciously. I feel like all parents do that for their children. I feel like yeah. they are like... I mean, in fact, actually, I just had a conversation with a woman I work with... I love her. She's great. She just had a baby, and we were talking about this because I was looking at his, you know, videos. He's so cute. He's a month old. He's got really long limbs, and so people were like, oh, is he going to play sports? He's going to be so tall. Like, you can put him in basketball or whatever. And she was just like, I don't know. I don't see him as this thing or this thing. Yeah. I think parents just do that. Yeah. But... It but having seeing it spelled out yes. is a very interesting thing. But I feel like it's good to see it because then you can check yourself as a parent. Yes, you know. Yeah, and that is something that I feel like my mom actually did very well. Um, probably too well, honestly. I wish she had pushed me harder yeah. in things. But she was very good at taking a step back and letting me decide for myself what I wanted. Yeah, I mean, my kids will learn how to skate. Whether they want to figure skate or hockey skate or do none of it, that's fine. I would like for them to learn how to skate. I think it's a good skill. I would love for my kids, boy or girl, to do dance class because it's good for their but if, balance. But if at any point they were like, I don't want to do this. Then I wouldn't make them do it. Right, exactly. Unless they're like the kid I take care of who just doesn't want to do anything and wants to go home and play with Legos and I mean, watch his iPad. And it is then a- you're like, no, you're doing it. Is it is a weirdly fine line because I, my, my mom had me in dance. I had said I didn't want to do it anymore. And so she took me out of it. And there is a part of me that's like, okay, but I was five. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe if you had just been like, you have to stick it out for one year. Yeah. And then at the end of that year, if you still don't want to do it, then don't do it. Yeah. If you made a commitment, I feel like it's important to follow it through. But this article is interesting because they talk about these gender scripts between the three different sports. Uh, which are aggressive, graceful, and pink. So I'm not going to go through the whole article, but I found where they were talking about dance to be very fascinating. So dance is correlated with 
grace and good posture. And they're saying a graceful body is a feminine body. Yeah. And even so they interviewed like hundreds of mothers and fathers of these different athletes and mothers of elementary age daughters made a connection already between having a graceful body and attracting male attention. Oh, God. Yeah. Gross. It's really gross. Yeah, I don't like that. It's really gross. Uh, The article says, Many of children's activities are still associated with particular aspects of feminine or masculine identity. Many feminine sports are seen as lesser than. No shit. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we talk about women in sports, but then there are also, like, the men who do these things that are seen as being more feminine, and they're not taken seriously in their sport. Mm -hmm. You know? Or, like... The the openly gay man in figure skating is seen as not being a real competitor when they're more flamboyant. The Johnny Weirs, the Adam Rippons. Mm-hmm. But when you get the Nathan Chens, the very manly, strong, even though he did ballet for most of his life, he's still perceived as being more masculine. Those are the ones that, especially the U.S. Olympic Committee, is rooting behind and wants them to succeed. That's very bizarre. Weird. It's such a bizarre thing. I can't quite put my finger on why that... I mean, outside of just, like... Yeah. (laughs) I mean, outside of homophobia and trying to reinforce traditional gender roles. Oh, yeah. I mean, figure skating is very much all about reinforcing gender roles. I mean, it wasn't until recently that girls could wear pants in competition. Right. And that is something that... We'll finish this, and then we should talk about... This is all I have in this article, so we can keep going. Because I did want to touch on... I don't have a lot of notes on this, but since it kind of came up... Women wearing pants in competition. I know that we talked about yes. um, Surya Bonale mm-hmm. and like her wearing pantsuits was a very big deal in yes. figure skating. And then also as recently as this last U.S. Open with yep. uh, Serena Williams, wearing where she was told deal. she couldn't wear a, um, a a spandex bodysuit. Yeah, which is kind of insane. Bonkers. She's like the she is the She's most the accomplished. Uh, until until recently, until Naomi Osaka, who was kind of yeah. like dominating and taking over, uh, she was the sport. Yeah, she was the sport, and still they're policing her body because you're seeing her body in a tight spandex bodysuit. And what does that say? Yeah. And um, I know that there were also a lot of kind of regulations when we talk about the 90s. I very distinctly remember the 90s and this kind of over-sexualized image of females in sports and wearing little bitty tennis skirts was supposed to be the thing to do for women or like a women's volleyball beach volleyball uniform is basically a bikini or the regular volleyball uniform is very tight very short shorts and men's uniforms are not sexualized in the same way at all They're, they're functional When was the last time you, outside of maybe figure skating, right, when you have some, like, more flamboyant costumes or you have more, like... um, Well, they're costumes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You have more leeway. You're not wearing a costume when you're wearing a uniform. But when was the last time you ever heard anyone mention a man's uniform in any male sport? Like, you don't ever hear it come up. However, Unless women, it's like, I like that they're wearing their white jerseys tonight. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, in no real critical Period. way End do you <laughs> ever hear anything like that. Or the ways in which we talk about women when they, there's a great compilation video of, like, women coming off of performing and then being like, you look beautiful today. Like, what color lipstick are you wearing? Yeah. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So, I just worked my ass off. Yeah, I just, I'm sweating. I just worked my ass off. And you're being like, 
And one way or, or another, if they're too feminine, that's all we're focusing on. If it's, like, yeah. Maria Sharapova and it's, like, oh, she's so pretty and she yeah. cares about, like, her appearance. Or it's, like, a Billie Jean King where it's, like, she's so masculine. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is a lot of it with body image, how we perceive our female athletes to look. Um, if we are trying to compete at the same level as men, a lot of times our body masses are going to get a little bit more quote-unquote, manly. Yeah. You know, they're going to become bigger. They're going to be strong. They're going to be muscular. And that is very intimidating to a lot of people and a lot of men. And they're seen as less attractive, um, where they don't want to watch the sport as much. I hear that a lot about gymnastics. You know, they like the small, petite, thin, Nastia Lucan, and then you get the Sean Johnsons in there who are just very muscular, short, and just like, powerful right. where that's not seen as as equal well it happened a lot with the uh women's gymnastics team that went to the olympics that like cleaned the fucking floor where it was like ali rasmussen and simone biles Weren't they called the fab five before the queer eye guys yeah i think probably i think so um they uh, there was a picture of them and it kind of went viral because it was, like, all of them together, like, on their day off, like, at the beach or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have very muscular, very... Very. Um, kind of traditionally gymnastics-looking bodies. They're, like, kind of an inverted triangle, very broad yeah. in the shoulders and very, very, very muscular. Because you have to be for the sport. Because you have to be to be at the top of your game at the sport. Yeah. And it was kind of like all of the comments of men on the internet being like... Ew. Ew, gross. I don't want to fuck you. Like, what... First of all, who They're not cares? asking you to fuck they're, them. They're not. And, you know, we just posted something to our Instagram that's like, it's fucking gross and weird that you can't show somebody just basic human respect because you don't find their bodies to be attractive. Exactly. But outside of that, they've worked very hard for these bodies. They are Olympic athletes. Yeah. They're Olympic athletes. They're not out here trying to be attractive for you. They're yeah. trying to be at the top of their physical game. Exactly. Like, that's what they're trying to do. So it is bananas. And when have you ever looked at a guy who's, like, overly muscular and been like, ew, gross? Well, I guess it could go the other way. Like, if a guy, if an athlete was, like, a heavier guy. Well, I've seen... I've seen bodybuilders who I'm like not for me. Oh, like have of you know you've seen but I've seen bodybuilders that I'm like too much like well, not for me. Because people do have preferences. Of course, like that, but, you, but would, you wouldn't treat them lesser as an athlete because and of that. And I would realize that's his goal. Yeah. Like it's not for me that mm-hmm. like you can't put your arms down because your back muscles are so big. Exactly. I don't love that personally for no, me. I had a female friend in college who couldn't put her arms down <laughs> because of that. But if that's your goal, clearly you've worked very hard for that. Yeah. Like to get there. And you're not doing it for me to find you attractive. Yeah. So I don't need to comment on it. No. You, you can know? think about it, realize what you're thinking and then be like, "You know what?" Doesn't matter. I don't need to have this opinion. None of that matters. I don't need to have it. Um, okay, so do we want to talk about some inequalities within, again, traditionally female sports that aren't considered sports? Yeah. Let's so do it. Let's talk about NBA dance teams. Let's talk about... I know nothing about them, so, so tell me. We're, we're going to talk about NBA dance teams, and we're going to talk about NFL cheerleaders. Because Got it. there's some shit here. So... NBA dance teams kind of started with the Laker girls. Paula Abdul was kind of one of the original Laker yeah. girls. They come out, they're essentially cheerleaders for 
basketball game. So, like, come out at halftime before the show to get the crowd wound up. But they're dancers. A lot of them are professionally trained dancers. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of gigs that you can get as a professionally trained dancer. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with um, NFL cheerleaders. A lot of them are professionally trained dancers or people who have been cheering competitively from the time they were yeah, my, very young. my dressmaker's daughter was a Vikings cheerleader. Yeah. She was a dancer her whole yeah. life. So, for NBA dance teams, according to a 2015 Jezebel article, all 30 of the NBA's dance teams keep official salaries under wraps, and some teams don't disclose salary information to potential dancers until they make it to the final rounds of auditions, which how fucked up is that? They're like, no, 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 go through this grueling process yeah. of joining this team. We're not going to tell you what you might be making until you make it to the final round. And then you That's can decide like, if you don't want to do this hiding? or not. Well, they're obviously hiding it. Yeah. Uh, teams don't provide health care to women, although the teams will cover costs for injuries incurred while they're working. Some teams state up front that the job is technically a part-time independent contractor position, although the actual time commitment is much more than that. Yeah. And I've known many businesses that do this shit, and it's it's really shady business practice. In April 2017, the Milwaukee Bucks agreed to pay $250,000 to settle a class action lawsuit filed by a former dancer claiming she and other dancers were often earning less than minimum wage. Mm. And these, to say that they're a part-time contracting position, there is no way. They're going on tour, right? Yeah. They're touring with these players. They are also doing massive time commitments as far as training, training learning, routines, learning routines, all of these things. too, probably. Like, there's a lot of stuff. And I believe that the NBA and the NFL are both the same in that they also have to pay for their um, their uniforms. The, oh, my gosh. The NFL in particular, I don't know about the NBA, but the NFL, it came out that they have these huge rule book regulations that they have to stipulate to all the cheerleaders that they have to, like, um, adhere to. Okay. And... Some of the regulations are you have to have your nails done professionally. Oh, you have yeah. to have your hair done professionally. All of these things, they pay for themselves. And oh these people, they're paying for the uniform. And you're getting minimum wage, or not less, minimum wage. Or less, yes. Good luck with that. Right. And so they make them pay. And also, okay, so we're going to get into NFL cheerleaders. Here we go. In early 2014, cheerleaders from five NFL teams took their owners to task and sued because of subpar working conditions. They claimed their pay was well below minimum wage, even as the players were making millions. Not only that, but women were subjected to demeaning jiggle tests <gasps> as visual assessments of their fitness. I was walking to do my laundry today and was noticing how much my thighs jiggled as I took steps. Because it's normal. Jiggle tests. How demeaning. Um, Embrace the jiggle, my ladies. Embrace the jiggle. I mean, honestly, when I saw my thighs jiggling, I was like, I should make a video. Because I was just like, have I think it's seen, actually great. Have you ever seen um, Body Posse Panda? Who do does, her like, like jiggle, jiggle dance? Dances? I love it. That's what I was thinking it's about. my favorite I thing. love it. Because yes. it, do, it does make you feel more confident when you're like, you could be like, oh, gross. It's jiggling. Or you could be like, my actually, that's kind of fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they were subjected to jiggle tests as visual assessments of their fitness. They are probably weighed, too. And twice-weekly weigh-ins yep. were grounds for dismissal. Yeah. Twice a week. Your weight, no one needs to yeah. be weighed twice a week. There's a lot of, um, like, Russian coaches that, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of American coaches, too, but it, it's 
out a lot that Russian coaches will weigh their students and figure That's skating insane. a lot. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, I know that, like, Abercrombie and Hollister used to weigh their employees, yeah. too, but... There was a show on Lifetime that was called, like, So Sharp, I think. It only lasted for one season, but it was about, like, competitive college dancers where they did do, like, halftime dances for sports mm-hmm. teams and things like that. And then they did, like, a big competition at the end of the year. And their coach, they had a scene where the coach was weighing them all. Your weight doesn't have any, like, it doesn't inform how fit or unfit you are. Right. It doesn't make sense. If you are, I understand that they want to present a certain image and they want to look a certain way, but that has nothing to do with your weight. Yeah. Like, even, I would even go to say that, like, you know, people are going to be like, well, what about BMI? I think BMI is bullshit. Well, BMI is bullshit. It's it complete is. bullshit. It is, absolutely. Um... So, yeah, twice a week weigh-ins, and those were grounds for dismissal if you weighed too much. You could just be let go. And it, a lot of the times it's in their contracts that, yeah. like, this is what's going to happen. Um, the Buffalo Bill, the Buffalo Bill's Jills described a charity event for which they weren't, oh, they weren't paid. This is going to gross you the fuck out. Are you ready? Ready. They were not paid for this event which even if they were, I would still be sickened to my core, where they were required to wear bikinis, go into a dunking booth, and then were were auctioned off to sit on the laps of wealthy golfers for the remainder of the day. Yes. So they... They were. They had to attend this event. They were not paid for this event. They had to attend this event in their bikinis. Oh, girls, I'm sorry. Be dunked in dunking booths, and then they were auctioned off to the highest bidder, no. and they had to sit on the laps of golfers for the rest of the night. What the fuck? Like, actual property. We are not It's disgusting. Objects. It's so fucking gross. Um, so they sued... Oh, no, not there. They didn't sue. Uh, The first lawsuit against the Oakland Raiders was settled for $1.25 million, even though the the Department of Labor sided with the team. So the Department of Labor sided with the team whenever they presented all of this gender discrimination that they were facing. However, the team still paid out over a million dollars to the Raiderettes, which is, I think they're called the Raiderettes, which is like... What does that say? Like, whenever they're still willing to be, like, they, it, the case was cited in their favor, and they're yeah. still willing to pay out over a million dollars. Because they know they've, they're fucking wrong. Yeah. Yeah, the Raiderettes initiated another lawsuit over pay in 2017, and according to Mike, a Raiders cheerleader was paid about $1,250 for the season, though team mascots are paid between twenty five. dollars thousand and sixty thousand dollars they're paying mother one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for an entire season no that's my tax return yeah that's fucking ridiculous yeah for an insane. entire season no, of work you can't live on that and a mascot is making twenty five thousand that's 60, cheaper 000? than most rent in la <laughs> oh my god yeah if i can find a one thousand dollar apartment in la i'm like taking it yeah that that like what they got paid for an entire season is not what we pay for our rent for a month yeah that's insanity that's crazy to me. um so yeah but you know what people allow that this to happen yeah. because they don't see these as actual sports agreed which is bullshit because it's their whole job and it's incredibly physically demanding. They've given their entire lives to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're just like, well, if you're a real dancer, go do something else. It's so fucking hard yeah. to find jobs. If you want to make dancing your career, it's very, very difficult you take what you can get. to find jobs that pay as a dancer. 
Where you're and not I understand constantly and right. living between jobs and things like that. And you and I can both completely understand not wanting yeah. to give up on your dream. Like, yeah. and if your dream is to be a dancer and you make it onto, you know, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleading team, that's yeah, a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, I want to talk about a little bit, um, like the Muslim world of sports because I find this really fascinating. Okay, cool. So, Muslim women are less likely to participate in sports than Western non-Muslims. The traditions of Islamic modesty in dress and requirement for women's sport to take place in a single-sex environment makes participation difficult. The lack of availability of modest sports clothes hindered their participation. I believe it's Nike that started to come out with more modest um, sports apparel. There is a... I did see that. There is a figure skater, and I don't know... I can't remember her name, and I can't remember where she's from, but she made headlines um, competing on the world team and skating in a hijab. Which wow. was amazing, yeah. So... Islamic religion texts encourage women's participation in sports, actually. The Quaric, which I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, states that followers of Islam should be healthy, fit, and make time for leisure, uh, which is non, not sex-specific. They're saying for both genders. The Prophet Muhammad is said to have raised his wife, Aisha, or Aisha, uh, with Aisha beating him at times. Okay. Oh, raced. Oh, raced. Yeah, I thought you said raised. raised, and I was like, raised his wife? <laughs> raced. 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 Okay. Um, scholars suggest that Muslim women's lack of engagement in sports comes down to cultural and societal reasons, not religious, which I think people mostly would think of, like, the religious reasons being part of why they're not playing. Well, I think it's, and I could be wrong on this. Again, I'm speaking out of class because I don't know anything specifically about Muslim religion, but I would say it's probably very similar to the Christian religion in that it's not the texts themselves it's how it's that are necessarily the problem. It's the way that we have taken them as a society, commingled them with all of our fucked up beliefs yeah. and the patriarchy and then spit them back out. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, is that it, it is difficult to play sports when if you are a person in a religion uh, or in a culture where you do truly believe in those things and you want to uphold those um, mm -hmm. beliefs, but yet you really love to do a sport and not being able to do it because it has to be in like a single sex environment. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Like okay. they can't participate for certain reasons. And there's also um, like a hijab ban in a lot of sports. Yes, which yeah. I have heard about, which is bizarre and bananas yeah, to it me. It prevented the Ira Iranians national football team from competing in FIFA. Um, but the, the ban has since been repealed, which I think is great because... I don't understand why it existed in the first place. Yeah. I don't either, but it's it's Islamophobia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't, I can't think of any other reason than that. So getting a little bit back into history, we're going to 1960s to today. Today in the U.S., nearly all schools require equal opportunity for boys and girls to play sports, which in my school, the girl sports were like the baller sports. Like those were the ones that actually did good. Our girls hockey team gymnastics team and girls volleyball team were the ones that were like everybody went to like there would be more people at the girls gymnastics meets than there would be at the boys hockey that's games cool sometimes. it was great female involvement is typically less female involvement is typically less in the more violent contact sports such as football boxing and wrestling although there is a utah girls football league and there is a professional girl wrestling association. Well, I believe that this year is the first year, and I wish I had her name. I'll find it and I'll um, post it to Instagram at some point. But um, I think this year is the first year that a woman went to college on a full football scholarship. Yes, I read about yeah. that. It's great. 
As of 2013, the only sports that women do not play professionally in the U.S. is football, baseball, and ultimate frisbee. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, just toss that one in there, no pun intended. Um, pun totally intended. Pun totally intended. And there have been women who have played on certain NHL teams. Um, there's a woman, I'm going to say her name wrong, Manon R- Rume. She was signed to the NHL team Tampa, Tampa Bay Lightning in 1992. Um, Katie Hinita became the first woman to score points in a Division I NCAA American football game when she kicked a t- kicked two extra points for the University of New Mexico in 2003. So, like, there there have been some exceptions, but um, I would say especially in football, there's not yeah. much integration. Yeah. And I would like I would to... love to watch a, a women's football game. Well, there was, do you remember in like the late 90s or the early 2000s, there was that awful, like, I guess, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it was awful, but there was a f- female football league. Do you remember that? Briefly. There was a female football league that all the women played in lingerie. That's and not what I'm asking no, for, Keegan. But, no, but here's the thing. It was very tricky because, like, gross, right? Yeah. Like, off the top, you're like, fucking gross. Because they're like, this is how you're going to get men to watch. Like, yeah. hot ladies in very impractical. Like, they had, like, they were in lingerie with, like, shoulder pads and, like, full face makeup, hair down. I'm like, this is very impractical. Yeah. But when the women were interviewed, it was kind of cool. Be- I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it was cool or sad or both. But they really wanted to play football. Yeah. And they were like, this is cool and that this we can is what play I have football. To do to play. Mm-hmm. But that's sad. Like, no, we should watch it in a traditional sense. And, and then it got canceled play. immediately because it was a fucking novelty and nothing yeah. more than that. It was eye candy. It was yeah, just exactly. bullshit. Um, so I know we don't have time on this episode today, so we'll have to do another episode. But I would love to do an episode where we talk about women who kind of changed the face of sports. I would love to do, like, a Forgotten Feminist Faves sports edition. And I would love to do, like, you know, a handful of, you know, women who came in and made a huge impact on sports because there are a good number of those. Yeah, we talked about a lot of the negative things, which I think is important, but there are also a lot of women who are breaking those boundaries. And have broken those boundaries and, you know, continue to do that. There are a lot of female coaches now who yeah. are coming in. There are yeah, a lot there's of... there's like a female football coach now Yeah, I think there's, really a, well. there's a female football coach. There was the first female referee in the NFL. And, um, you know, there's a lot more female coaches because it is such a bizarre thing that even in the... Even for women's sports there are more male coaches than female co- yeah. coaches, which is very strange, but it's starting to catch up, and there's yeah. starting to be a lot more female coaches coaching female teams, yeah, which I is great. Yeah, and it even goes back to, you know, raising your boys and girls both to be sports fans, if you're a sports fan. You know what I mean? Not discriminating against, you know, only watching football games with your son, mm-hmm. but also involving your daughters Only playing catch well. with your son. Only, yeah, I feel yeah. like it really goes back to the way that everybody's being raised and just being aware of the patriarchy trying to keep us in in line yeah. in our gender stereotypes. Agreed. So, you guys, thank you so much for listening to us try to understand sports for an yeah, hour. Yeah, I'm not good at it. So I'm not good at it at all. Feel free to write in. Yeah, we tried. It's something that I found really interesting, but I definitely was, like, faking it till I made it. 
So hopefully you enjoyed it. Let us know if there's things we got wrong or should have added or stories that you have about being a girl playing sports. I would love to hear those. I would love to hear those. That would be awesome. We would share those on our mini episodes. Feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can follow us where it's at on Instagram and direct message us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Catch us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can leave us a review on our business page and like us there. Please, 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 if you haven't already, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to us. Another quick reminder to listen to us on Radio Public. It's free for you. Helps us out a little bit. Um, I think that is all of the things on the list that I have to get through. Yeah, I think so. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.